All right. Welcome back to the Death by Pegasus podcast, episode number two. I'm your host, co-host, whatever. We haven't figured it out yet. Evan, also known as PSO on Discord, YouTube, etc., etc., etc. And this is my lovely co-host. Tristan, as always, you'll find me right here in the passenger seat, mostly because I don't feel like driving. Oh, is, is it like one of those like uh, uh, student driver cars, though, where you've got like the steering wheel just in case I like really, really screw things up? Well, I mean, it's also not going to work in that scenario. So, oh. I mean, it can be there, but I'm not using it. Oh, just waiting for the sweet embrace of death. Gotcha. Now, I'm just saying, if we're going to go on this long-ass car trip somewhere, I'm not driving there. That's a lot. Okay, okay. I just want to chill. Damn, okay, look. Damn, I only ask for a ride occasionally, dude. Dang, like, I knew you felt like that. I wouldn't have, you know, wouldn't ask. Damn. I'm talking about road trips. Like, have you actually oh. gone on, a, like, a long-ass road trip? Well, <laughs> that's actually a good tie into our topic for today. I did a round trip to ChimeraCon down in San Antonio for a Battletech event. Uh, yeah. Like, started early morning Arlington, went all the way down to San Antonio, came all the way back. And we nearly crashed a couple times, but yeah, it sucks, I agree. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Nobody wants to drive all the way there. Just, just fall asleep in the passenger seat. That that rhymed a little bit, but we're we're moving on for that because the topic for today, of course, is going to be war games, miniature war games. Oh my tokens. god! I guess any type of gaming with wars on tables, and, and hopefully a miniature. That would be cool. That'd be, I like. I like uh, a ho- good miniature. Hopefully, well, I mean, there also are video games about wars, but we're we're gonna. I guess steer clear of that a little bit right now. Yeah, I figured. I haven't really made it super clear in previous episodes, but actually, I don't remember if I even said episode zero. But for the most part, stuff's going to be video game, tabletop games, video game, tabletop games. Ran out of genres, just pick specific subjects to cover. That's pretty much what we're going to do. So since we did FPSs, and by that I mean frickin' esports last time... (laughs) We are going to do tabletop war games this week. Yeah, not to be confused with just like I guess tacticals, those strategy games that you would sometimes see. Not like it when you go into like a board game store, your local gaming store, whatever the hell it is. I don't know. Maybe <laughs> it says board games. It may say them. And you see, like, God, what is, like, I guess they even have, like, those Funko Pops, like... Oh, the Funko Pop board game. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, uh, that might be amazing. I'm not going to pass judgment if you like that, but, yeah, that's a thing. It's not that. It is not playing with your Funko Pops, although that's pretty much what GW exactly did (laughs) back in the day, but we're not going into that. We're steering clear of that, too. Moving on. Damn. All right. Well, so as far as war games go, let's, uh, we both already kind of know the story we covered a little bit in Zero, but for a recap and a shameless way to fill some recording time, uh, what is your history of miniature war games and war games in general? Uh, 
I don't I don't think we went into exact detail on this. Wait, did we? I don't know. It's been forever. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, I've always been interested in it, but when I guess the first like actual miniature game that I didn't play that wasn't just straight from a board game and stuff, you know, actual tape measure and stuff would be like Kill Team for 40k. And that pretty much got me into there as soon as, you know, I played that game. And, but like, I, oh, yeah, there must be other games that are like this that aren't this. <laughs> well, that was a. Uh... <laughs> uh, I could tell you're trying to avoid your opinion, which. So I'll bring it up front because we're not going to do it. This episode, maybe not. Who knows? If we ramble, whatever. Who cares? You sh Hopefully anybody who's listening to this point should be used to that. Um, our opinions are our opinions. Uh, if you like the game you like, that's all well and good. Uh, for the most part, if we really don't like something, uh, we're going to discuss why we don't like it. You can agree or disagree. That's fine. Uh, just be aware that we don't know you personally, and it's not an attack on you. Just say. I could write an entire thesis paper of everything that is wrong with 40k, but we're <laughs> we're not doing that today. That could be the entire premise of a whole podcast, but we're not doing that. Oh, okay, uh, we're talking about things we love, and so why don't you start talking about BattleTech? Damn, I love BattleTech, but that's good. <laughs> well, I mean, my history of it actually, hmm, thinking about it. So I think I relate the story episode zero. Uh, the first time I ever encountered a miniature war game was a little hobby shop in the, I guess, Addison area here in Texas, which, oh no, you know where I am. Um, and there's some guys playing like some kind of World War II skirmish game with little like World War II dudes. And I was like, oh, that's so awesome. And that must have been no oh, mid 90s, late 90s. If anybody could actually compile an actual World War II miniature game and tell me what that could have been, I'd love you, but I've never figured it out all these years. So, anyway, so I always loved that. I just, like, loved the look of it and, like, what people were doing, the rolling dice. I was like, oh, that's so cool. Uh, eventually, I got into 40K. It was second edition. Uh, by that point, I think third edition was 96 or 98. So, for... I mean, my crew, I ran into only played second edition. They didn't like third. They didn't play it. So I played second edition. I got into that. I got some stuff from my parents because I was a kid, whatever. Um, I played that for a bit. Begrudgingly, my group moved to third edition. Kind of played again. Orcs didn't really change much outside of like some weird stuff that was just gone. But overall, I just didn't enjoy the game. And I was like, okay, whatever. Then after that, it was all kind of calm. I discovered Battletech, as we mentioned. I novel actually one of the first ones from a local bookstore i didn't actually play the actual battletech uh miniature game till much later i actually picked up its sister kid whatever you want to call it game mechwarrior dark age which was a collectible miniatures game that whiz kids used to put out back in the day and despite its faults i love that game i thought that game was great it's got a lot of freaking issues uh whiz kids incompetence when it comes to creating a really good thing and then not knowing how to manage it or running into the ground is legendary by this point anybody who actually knows any of the WizKids games um yeah so i quit that eventually i picked up real battle tech tabletop played that i've played that for 
oh, like I said, 20-something years now at this point, if you just count, like, the general universe, the actual miniatures game, 15+. plus. And then I also picked up, around that time, War Machine and Hordes, which is a lovely, lovely game. Steampunk, mag Magitech, Magipunk game by Privateer Press. I uh, played that for a very long time till kind of our whole local meta in the DFW area just imploded one day. Some rules changes, some a lot of the judges and press gangers and stuff left, and people really didn't know how to organize by themselves, and I guess maybe a general fatigue a little bit, plus 40k kind of having a bit of a resurgence. Uh, so I've been playing that recently with Tristan here, and that's been a lot of fun. But yeah, outside of that, I've also played the very fun Star Wars Legion by Fantasy Flight Games, now run by uh, Atomic Mass Games. Uh, and that's just been a real blast. In the name of Star Wars, like, it's Star Wars! You know? Star Wars. I fucking love Star Wars! But... Well, I mean... So, I mean, I guess that's where I'm gonna come in there. So, between me starting, like, Kill Team during 7th edition, and this is, like, what, 2012? Something along those time. I basically have just been going in and out of 40k, and that's mostly because I'm able to find all these games, but I'm not able to find people that want to play with me. So that's always always is going to be the issue. And I think Legion was like the first, like actual second miniature game that like I really got into for other stuff, and then. And then it became Malifaux, and all of that is more, like, recent, because I'm never a person to just simply do the whole hobby thing and stuff like that. If I, if I can't play a game with it, I'm not going to just clutter my entire place full of, like, plastic figurines, okay? Looks over to my giant Tupperware pile of shame. Yeah, go on, go on. Okay, well, I, I don't think that's the Tupperware shame. I'm talking about like the Weeboo magic, you know, oh. those porcelain figurines that are just loitering all over the place and stuff like that. I mean, and I, I guess it's also the whole like ship in a bottle sort of thing. So you have a ship and you assembled it into a bottle. What, what, what the, what, what are you doing? Why are you trapping a ship inside of a bottle? I get Who is you. that for? I get you. You're, more, you're not the actual like craft part of it, hobby part of it's not really what you're into. You want to actually have some meat behind it. You want to do something with the thing you have instead of just doing it, putting it on a shelf, maybe showing it off occasionally, and that's it. Yeah, that pretty much that. And again, I think that's one of those things that comes down to especially as I've explored more of my creative profile is that even though I am going to school for, like, visual communications, I am more of, like, a sort of written, like, creative, expressive person. So I guess I'm not immediately taken away by aesthetics, especially when it comes to, like, gaming. Yeah, that's perfectly fair. I mean... We're not going in over board games this time, but I mean, both of us have played, I assume, quite a bit of Euro games, and well, yeah. aesthetically, they're not the most pleasing outside of the box, and maybe some manual art if they have that. 
yeah, but, but I mean, but the thing about it is, is that a lot of a lot of like wargaming, especially when it first came out, and even some games, it's all about the theater of the mind and all that other stuff. And now, and now, wargaming has become a huge part of like miniatures. It's all about what the miniatures look like and how great they look, and all these other like little details that really have absolutely nothing to do with the game. And we know who to thank for that. Well, yeah, yeah I mean, but that that's that has to deal with something else, I guess. But right <laughs> now, let's just focus on not talking about GW. No, I'm, I'm going to poke this bear. I'm going to poke this bear until, yeah, anyway, t- until you unleash yourself. I'm not unleashing anything. Okay, it is staying <laughs> leashed. Okay, staying in the pants. Okay. Whoa, whoa, whoa! You're making it weird, bro. Damn. You're the one that always makes it weird. Mm, no, that doesn't sound like me. I don't think I would ever do that. <sighs> okay, <But. laughs> so anyway, we're moving on for that. What was? What were we talking about again? What were I we not, r- not rambling about? You're right. I well, wasn't rambling. Uh-huh. Well, we went over the history of it, talked about, like I said, what you look forward into it, I guess, what you kind of get out of the hobby. Um, for me, I honestly, I like all the aspects of it. Uh, miniature game for me has to have, like, you're talking about the written part of it, like, that's one. It has to have a good background. It doesn't matter if it's kind of, if it's not, like, super in-depth when it comes out. As long as the company, Miniature Games, willing to expand on it, and it's interesting, and yeah, I mean, literally just expand on it. Uh, I also like the hobby part, like I would prefer a good quality miniature. It doesn't have to be amazing or anything, or the best, but a good quality miniature to go alongside my thing of choice. Um, and I'd prefer the rules to be tight, because rules being a freaking mess and a headache does not make me want to play your game. It makes me want to go play another game. Okay, well, uh, I guess we'll start there. And it's very, well, I mean, we'll start with the rules. I guess we'll go back to the whole, like, I guess, miniature thing, which I guess is what I was getting at, because I don't like the pricing of how miniatures are now, especially with the way GW does it, is that they put too much too much into the, like the engineering of the sculptures of it to the point that they're almost over detailed and then that increases the cost of them including their brand recognition which makes it so that even just getting a basic troop is still something around especially if you're talking about paint around like $80 yeah that's that's part of the cost when you're when you're doing miniature games one could tell you all all the designers for every company ever it doesn't matter i'm sorry none of them are actually getting paid a particularly large amount per year to actually uh produce this stuff eve it doesn't matter if it's like the old school by hand method where you like make a model and sculpting all that and then cast a mold from that it doesn't matter if it's like cad programming which is pretty much predominantly what people use now that or some other 3d imaging software uh your primary cost is almost always in the actual production and we're going to weird ass technical shit but you basically have 
three types of material when you're doing war games these days. Plastic, resin, metal. Uh, metal, for the most part, dropped off. You still see it in some instances, but you're not going to really see a ton of it these days anymore. Um, plastic, very expensive to do the mold. The, the uh, actual molds for all your uh, manufacturing, it's very pricey up front. But, and this is where GW is unforgivable, because dang it, we're going to be complaining about it. That material costs pennies. That costs freaking pennies to make them space marines. So, yes, after you factor manufacturing in, you know, that's going to add to your cost, shipping, blah, 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 what little you pay your designers, etc. That's going to factor in. But it's pennies on the dollar for that material. It's not that bad. Resins, just above that. Same issue. It's not so much the actual mold making. That's a little rough. Um, it's the material is... Not as cheap as the plastic, even though, yeah, we'll get into technical details about resin and plastic, but anyway, it's not as cheap as the plastic, but it also tends to be a bit hazardous, so you have to add that to the cost, which is really where it gets hurt, but you get pretty good quality out of stuff if you do it right. And then the last, yeah. of course, is good old-fashioned metal. Metal molds, same thing. Uh, them and resin are che obviously cheaper manufacturing-wise than plastic. Uh, the material is the most expensive, though. Most companies use uh, lead-free pewter these days. I've seen some other combinations, but that's kind of like the old-school way to do it. But, yeah. Going back to your point, though, it is pretty inexcusable that this material that costs them pennies is such an issue where these days people can do a 3D printer and with some time and some work... It's not quite pennies on the dollar, but it's pretty damn cheap to print their own stuff. You just gotta really put the time and the effort into it. Yeah, that's... I mean, it's... That's what it is right there. It's... I mean, we're not gonna... It's how much they have just nestled onto the teat of capitalism is almost <laughs> disgusting. But like I said... I feel like we shouldn't stop there, otherwise people are gonna think I'm a communist now. Well, Especially when you start talking about the tits of capitalism. I mean, is that the other way around? That's yeah, one of the two. Yeah, uh, either way. I'm uh, not a communist, in uh, case any government officials are listening. Wink, wink, comrade. Yeah, no, I mean, it's fair. Like I said, we could we probably still will go into a bit in GW, which I reiterate my content warning, trigger warning earlier. So, but. It's, yeah. yeah, I mean, that's that's always been the problem. It's prices go up, models get more intricate, but not necessarily for the better, but the material's still dirt cheap, so it's, yeah. Well, I mean, but it's just, and eventually we'll talk about board games, but this is just another indicative of, like, just the industry in general, and how even on Kickstarter, people demand overly detailed miniatures to sell some of these board games that just in all sincerity function a lot better when you don't have huge clunking figures on the models to represent simple tokens look my 40 dollar board game needs to have 120 highly detailed plastic miniatures for something that could be easily done by a colored bit of wood <sighs> yeah yeah okay <laughs> Okay, well, that's like a whole different discussion, I guess. But And then it starts going to the whole painting terrain and all this other stuff. I mean, when you really get down to it, is that 
all of this extravagance and making it more modern in some regards has made it more difficult for people to get into the game because it makes it seems like you need all of this stuff in order to truly enjoy the game, which I guess in a general sense, maybe that's true because having like really good terrain that looks incredibly immersive is pretty much what you want to have. Isn't that the goal? Yeah, I mean, the more attractive it is, one, it's just attractive and it's pleasing and it makes you feel like you spent your time and money wisely, but it also helps attract people, too. Like, I, for example, I just backed a very wonderful uh, STL Kickstarter for some terrain for War Machine, because War Machine Hordes is generally what's, it's a very flat game. Frankly, you don't need the miniatures. Everything could be flat if you wanted to, which is one of its strengths. But it results in kind of a weakness where it also, a lot of the time, is not like a very attractive game to show off to people. Because, just like I said, how generally how the battlefield's usually the flattest thing you have. People terrain generally is very flat because it's very easy to navigate and deal with and resolve rules problems with. But when it's just like the malls moving around what looks like an empty field, that generally makes it a little hard to uh, attract people. Battletech can have that problem because you have all your little mech miniatures running around, but what if you're playing on a paper map? Well, nuts, you know. And if you want, like, an actual, like, 3D hex map, well, I have spent probably a good $800 on 3D now-defunct HeroScape terrain to use, and I still don't really have, like, a bunch of buildings and forests and stuff I would like to use for it. So, I mean, going to what you said, it's like, yeah, just the sheer cost of, like, starter armies or what a regular game is, plus, like, the terrain, plus the hobby stuff. Like, honestly, that's one of the biggest problems with a miniature war game is that the barrier to entry is ridiculous. It doesn't matter how good or innovative or simple your rules are. That can be learned, no matter how simple or complex. If somebody's willing to put in the time on that, they will, and you can teach it to them, and it'll be fine. You know, they will put in the effort, it'll be great. The money is easily one of the biggest problems, though. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's. I guess that's why at sometimes it seems like such an unnecessary, I guess, luxury. But, I mean, if it's your only thing, it's your only thing, and that's fine. But... It's just, I, I guess I'm trying to think of, like, the actual cost of, like, even just, what, the $500 that it took to, like, start my, like, like restart my 40k army for, like, Craft World that I did. And even then, it's still, like, not even one-fourth of the codex. And then, like, for exactly half of that i started a legion army with options like an entire army with options and the 40k list i have for craft world is just that and that's pretty bad for anybody that knows anything about 40k and all this other stuff not to have any options whatsoever it's i guess it's just one of those weird I guess little instances that just makes me wonder why do people like bother bother getting into these things, you know, like having to invest so much like money and time to try to learn it 
and I guess it's the same thing a little bit what we were talking about last time of like I guess with maybe esports like uh those sort of like super layered games like MOBAs like who really takes the time to just learn something this kind of complicated and intricate yeah I mean that's I mean that is part of it it's it does take it takes a lot of time in every sense of the word just between hobby games playing etc son you might only get a game a weekend yeah it's I don't know there's just something I guess everybody no matter what can relate to the idea of when they were a kid like having their toys or whatever and it's like well what if the rules weren't made up inside my head even though <laughs> that's kind of what rules are when you think about it too hard but you know yeah I, I think there's just there is something there that is satisfying and entertaining uh yeah i mean i guess we've all you already touched on that like you i mean you just like everything about it in general and i guess the reason why is because i'm drawn to it as an intellectual challenge no oh, that, that part's great that's that's why i've always liked when you get to like the competitive side at least to a degree even though i have some complaints about stuff that's when you get like the really competitive side of uh war machine and hordes which i'm going to continue to gush over and you guys can't stop me um that's kind of what a lot of games turn out to like even on the the like serious tournament level is you have this puzzle i have x amount of resources my opponent has y amount of resources how do i accomplish z like by you know deducting my resources from my opponent's resources to accomplish the goal and yeah. you get these lovely intricate just kind of setups like oh if i do this thing here and then i do the thing here and then these guys go charge in here but wait if they kill like at least two guys each yeah, then yeah. they can do so, this I thing mean, that, that right there is just i mean shows different amount of like play styles and i guess when i really think about it one of the other games you know plays malifaux and i guess the one of the reasons why I so attracted to it and been so attracted to it is not just simply the setting and aesthetic but the fact that it's one of the few skirmish games that actually has like well at least that i've seen that has really good different play styles and asymmetrical play because it, i mean i guess they're doing it a little bit more but i mean remember the whole thing of like 40k was like everybody's kind of the same and here's just one or two random special rules you got that differentiates oh no we have more melter you know, weapons than those guys it's good and there's nothing wrong with that design it's just that it's well, a little bit well it's like anything but it's executed try, poorly boring, it's a good try. maybe a little bit too it's like playing checkers when i guess you could be playing chess maybe yeah, there's a bit of that. It's a very expensive game of checkers, but I mean, yeah, that's. I I think that's that kind of style system can work. I mean, it's always been just the stat line with abilities, but like I said, you can have such divergent things that make it actually interesting if you just actually have good rules writing, and well, just interesting creativity within that framework. Like you can do stuff within that framework. You just have to, you know actually do it yeah i mean it's just okay so let's just i mean look at 
I guess some of the biggest like sort of like army scale like war games that's going on. And I guess the only ones I think about is like War Machines, Horus, Legion, and then 40k. Yeah, I would say that's fair. I, I'm honestly checked out on AOS, so I cannot tell you what scale people are playing that in, if people are even barring to play it, but they keep making models for it, so I assume somebody is. No offense, guys. Well, okay, I guess you can... It's just... Okay, let's put it in GW Sphere, because AOS, technically speaking, has been, at least from what I've been told, has been doing better than 40k. It's just... They don't advertise that. Yeah, there's been a lot of... Uh, mainly a and lot of I, bad press created by themselves, really. And, and the thing is, is that I... As far as I remember as the numbers being told to me, it was like AOS as an entirety of their brand, not just simply the miniature line. Just like 40K is always measured in the entirety of its brand. Which is always a weird thing, because remember that they have a lot of other things that aren't miniatures that they're doing. Oh, of course. Board games, video games. Mind the clickety-clack, we're going to do some top-secret, super-duper Google research. Right now, live on the podcast, miniature game sells. What was last month? July? July. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's one way to look at it. Non-collectible miniature lines. Uh, 40k just beat out Sigmar a little bit. Oh, well, then, yeah. But Sigmar's number two, though. To like to put, put that into perspective, 40k is number one, Sigmar's number two. Uh, D&D Mini's being crazy by the revi- the new incarnation of WizKids, and Legion's oh, yeah. number four, which is pretty good, considering they haven't had a new release by that point for a while, so that's pretty impressive still. Well, it's because, I mean, it's Star Wars. Star I, Wars! I mean, there's really no other way to explain it. Yeah, it I mean, just it, helps the game's actually good on top of that. Yeah, <laughs> I, that's what I was about to say. It's Star Wars, and they actually made not just simply a competent game, but they made a good game. A good modern war game. Wow. Yeah, I know. And it's like, and not only that, but they're doing it in the same way that, you know, was done in more like 90s style, which is a shared common pool of keywords and making it work. Mm-hmm. Well, actual armies that actually play differently. Well, that goes into another thing that we like and dislike at the same time, which is actual rule systems slash rule designs. We talked about a little bit with the the generic stat line plus special abilities, which is some which for the most part, for those people who don't know miniature war games, that's generally how it goes: is generic stat line where all your numbers are pretty much on the same curve, and then you have special abilities to actually make a difference. Um, Warhammer Fantasy War 40k back in the 80s, they pioneered this? Pretty much pioneered this. There was other miniature games, but these were like the big ones that took off. And then everything's, for the most part, has kind of been following that. Battletech being a weird exception, but that gets into some of its archaic design, which we'll talk about later. Um... But yeah, most games have been following that. Uh, I think we both and generally will say that is a cr- our criticism of 40K in the current environment, and I guess AOS, like I said, I haven't kept up with it. Anybody wants to correct me, you're more than welcome. I'm not going to talk too much about AOS, because like I said, I don't know, not going to assume. 
but I I've only heard hearsay, and as far as I know, people enjoy playing AOS more than for 40k, and I don't. I I don't understand that, and I'm not going to try to get in on the stupid mental gymnastics people that love 40k go into. So uh, we're <laughs> moving on there. Yeah. But yeah, like I said, in general, I would I would say that's my biggest problem with 40k is there has been some decent attempts to modernize it. Weirdly enough, Kill Team, from what I've heard, sounds like a good example of like modernizing it fairly successfully. It's just the problem is that once you get done with Kill Team, you immediately go into regular 40k, and that is a whole okay. different set of problems. I mean, it's a whole okay. I mean, I guess we're going to talk about it a little bit, but especially when it comes to rules wise and trying to do it in a modern setting, it first of all, okay, this is how I guess I've kind of been taught to do like sort of like design and stuff like that is that you always figure out what your problem is and think about what the solution is to it. And when I look at how 40k is designed, I see them thinking, hey, we're making a bunch of like miniatures that are basically really well crafted like figurines. What's another way to get people to want to buy more of them and increase their longevity? Turn it into a game. So I didn't see people that are trying to like actually create some kind of like competitive game that they care about. It was them trying to increase the longevity of their product because when you just look at the entire premise of this game like what are they trying to do are they trying to make it like an open field sort of war game where it's like just rank and file is it supposed to be like a sort of skirmish game that has a bunch of terrain like when you even just get into the very basic of like army standard design what are they trying to do it's difficult to figure out because it seems like the rules are designed for large scale models and then you have some things that have to deal with like these stupid gnats running around with like units that have over 30 miniatures and no way to really deal with that because the movement rules are so ugh, sometimes it's yeah. just yeah, yeah it's it's well a lot of 40k's problems and still marred to a, like a very archaic way of doing things. They, the GW cycle, which damn, yeah, we're just gonna end up talking about whatever. The GW cycle has always been this way. People always forget, or they're new and they don't know. They either didn't remember when like some old grognard told them, or they don't know because they're new, and that's okay. That's fine. Like whatever, it's not your fault. The GW Saku is always game, new edition of the game, take out, add something. New edition of the game, take out, add something. New edition of the game, take out, add something. Very rarely, and this is part of the problem talking about archaic design, is that it really hasn't changed a ton from like the 80s. Like they pretty much came up with all this stuff, which is impressive, especially for the time. It's why it became such a huge thing. And then it was addition change. Well, we're going to remove some stuff. We're going to simplify the game. Fair. The original Rogue Trader is an RPG. You literally have a game master. It is dope, but it is not like a miniature game as we would think about it these days. A second edition moved it to like an actual, what we would consider a modern miniature game. They took out some stuff. Fine. Whatever. That's cool. 
third edition happened, they took out some stuff. Okay, that's fine. People will generally argue that second and third editions were the good editions of 40k. I would argue that too. I loved both of those, even though I didn't really like third that much. And then fourth edition comes out. Well, we take out some more stuff. Okay. Fifth edition comes out. We take out and add some more stuff. Sixth edition, we take out and add some more stuff. They, they realized that they had a problem by third edition because people's complaint was going to what you said, that things felt kind of samey and there really wasn't like a lot of character and stuff. Though, eh, I don't know. It depends. You'd have to talk to like some real diehard third edition people on that one. I preferred second because everybody did have a ton of characters. Just a mess of a game, but fun. But they've done that every freaking edition. And people don't ever catch on. And they don't do it just for the miniatures game. They do it for their legal stuff, which is the whole current row. Everybody on the internet's throwing a fit about and boycott GW and all that oh, stuff. Yeah, because they're once again in their cycle of take down everything. We don't care. Yes. Uh, take down all the people that gives us hundreds of thousands of dollars. Wait, hold on. Hundreds of thousands of dollars. Let it, me it, spin the wheel again. It's a cycle. And when GW's doing good, they become super lawyered up and the cease and desist letters and all this stuff happens. And when... they start trying to copyright generic names like Garzman. Okay. Space Marines. They, they do that. Game does bad. Eventually, either new management, people, you know, getting their head out of their asses at, over at corporate. Who cares? They look at it and go, that was bad. And they stop either enforcing it or they say, our bad. That, that no longer applies. Eventually, they have an upturn. Usually, it takes an addition or two because this... The heyday of War Machine Hordes was basically that. We were in between, like, two editions, and nobody liked them in 40k. People occasionally would go back very briefly, be like, this game stinks. They would come back to War Machine Hordes 2nd edition, be like, oh, this is great. And 2nd edition, like I said, it was the heyday. It was great. It was glorious. We had, our community here was ridiculously big. It was a lot of fun. And then, like I said, they, they chill out. New edition. Take out. Add some stuff. You know, it gets popular again. Oh, we're getting really popular. Well, we need to enforce our IPs. Our now enforceable IPs because we made up a bunch of bullshit names for all our stuff. Like, Craft World, Aether, Knight, Elf, Harlequin, I Jabronis. I think it's Yondari now. or Yondaridev.exe. Whatever. No one cares. It's stupid. Like, it's all yeah. dumb. It's all mouthful. No one says freaking Adaptes... Frickin' Space Marinus, T-Rexus, Arrakis. I mean, it, I no mean that, that just crap. goes into the other thing, which is that GW never actually, like, finishes the stories that they create. I mean, Eldar have been a dying race for how many centuries now? Jesus Christ. Like, die or don't. We don't care anymore. <laughs> like, they don't finish it out. And I guess that's one of the things that I do like about Malifaux, is that they actually... They they will actually like hold tournament like events and like based on like the results will actually kill off characters. So like char like yeah. masters will go away and like the actual lore will change. So well, I mean that was something they used to do. Uh, they had a nasty habit of going, well, that didn't really happen, or monkey pawing it and being like, well, that happened, but um. But that well, also, I mean, well, that goes, I actually just had this conversation today with a guy who used to play, I've played War Machine Hordes with, I play Battletech, I guess, now with, and he used to play a GW guy back in the day, too, is that 
besides the GW cycle, it's like the crab cycle, it's, it's just one step, GW, they... They... <laughs> I'm trying to think how to explain it. They... Finally modernize, and what happened? Okay, well, we have a social media presence. We are going to do our own content. We're going to pump out more video games. We are going to, like, you know, vaguely kind of advertise our stuff, but not really because, seriously, I don't think a freaking single miniatures company's figured that out that isn't collectible. Like, seriously, when I think of advertisement, WizKids is the ones I think that advertised back in the day, because at least you saw an ad in a newspaper, or, or not a newspaper, <laughs> a gaming magazine or something, you know? Or your yeah. local. But they, they modernized and all this stuff, because GW's really hot right now, and what did they do? Oh, here comes the lawyers. Here comes the enforcing our totally trademarkable IP stuff now. I mean, but, and here's where, uh, it, it, the reason why I guess they bring it up is because when you really get into it, the way Wargaming is, just like the state of it, there's still that sort of like, you know, do what you want, and it's like almost kind of like a D and D experience. Like there's the role playing and the campaign and all this other stuff that you can like do with it, and just it's just kitchen top magic, and you're just imagining salt shakers as dragons and all that crap. But the thing is, is that somehow or another, wargaming and especially 40k has become the equivalent of like esports competitiveness like people are that interested in it as a competitive scene and i'm not sure how 40k has become that driving force considering how the company didn't design the game to be competitive to compete in any sort of competitive scene until like eighth edition so i'm not sure how that happened and i mean I, oh good good no i i guess my entire point was is that these games are just so naturally like competitive nowadays and it's this weird thing of them being like are they for, like, that same sort of, like, casual, like, magic that you have, I guess, can only be found in, like, the indie scene. And I guess when you think about it, there's not a lot of, like, I guess, casual MOBAs out there. Yeah, you really kind of enjoy it on a casual level, or you don't, but there's not... They try to chase the, like, oh, we're for... You know, this is easier for newer players or a more casual audience, but yeah, there's nothing really designed specifically for them. Yeah, I mean, I mean, there's Legion, and but Legion is just simply along the lines of just more forgiving. Le Not... Le it's very forgiving. Uh, I would say, in general, that people who just want to play a casual Star Wars game, it's... Uh, it's up there, like, outside of some, like, weird rules interactions, which kind of comes from them not really being an actual, well, I don't want to be mean, but, like, not an actual, like, war game company. X-Wing's great, but it's got some 
more board game qualities than anything. Um, yeah. It's overall it is a game that you can just like pick up. And honestly, I have seen posts and talked to people in person that all they did was they basically played just the introduction guide rules. That's it. And they would look up like a keyword. They didn't use like any of the advanced stuff. And it was yeah. like, well, you know, if you want to do that, fine. Like, yeah. I, I think that would get very tiring quickly. But if that's what you want to do, that's fine. And that's a, cool that that's an option for you, you know? Yeah. I mean, it. I guess it gets rid of almost any sort of complexity to the game whatsoever. Yeah. But, I mean, I can see that, especially considering how, like, as soon as we get to, like, the clone error, the rules becoming a lot more intricate. Like, Obi-Wan Soretsu Master... The FAQ, like, the just looking up the actual comprehensive rules of that, going like, Jesus Christ, this is almost three paragraphs. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's in general. That that we can talk about is another something I like and don't like also when it comes to a miniature war game is this is definitely a fancy flight syndrome. They are uh, notoriously bad about this. But every expansion, every rule supplement has to have, like, at least one new rule. And since this is a more modern game, and X-Wing's guilty of this too, which is where a lot of this really started, um, that means a new keyword. At least one new keyword. Every thing. And that's okay if you only have one new keyword. You, say you have four releases for, you know, one release for each faction, right? And you have one new keyword only. But, you know, if you still have multiple releases per month for every faction, well, okay, well, every month I'm adding a new keyword. And then rules bloat becomes a thing where it just becomes this mess of, well, you know, we had to invent this keyword, but either we didn't think about the interaction it had with a previous one, or this is basically the same thing, you know, minus one word copy-pasted, uh generally becomes a problem. War Machine 1st Edition had that issue where you had like five keywords that all did the same thing with slight variations. So you had to go, okay, is this the keyword where they get to move and attack? Is this the keyword where they only get to move? Is this the keyword where they only get to attack? Is this the keyword where they can do it before I do something? Is this the keyword where they can do it after I do something? Like, they had an addition change because it became a real issue and they were like, oh, we need to modernize this game. This is a problem. Well, yeah. I mean... But at least companies like that realize it's a problem and don't have to wait until basically the sales are really tanking before they decide that, hey, let's change additions before we have to become the sinking ship. Oh, yeah. I would say, I went, without having the numbers on top, like just in front of me, I actively remember more people playing at the end of first edition War Machine and Hordes than I remember seeing at all during the rest of the time I played, which was... I started about the second expansion book, and there was three, four more after that. It was, like, yeah, it was just like there was people playing it. It was popular. Well, it was getting popular. And they were like, no, here's the complaint. We're going to do an edition change, see if we can't modernize this, and, you know, hopefully speed up games, which, eh, 50-50. But, yeah, that's that's what you presumably do as a game designer when you see this yeah, problem. Yeah, and I guess that's one thing we haven't really, like, actually like addressed or actually defined it's like what what is a modern war game nowadays yeah. well and well i mean to me i guess a modern war game would be one that puts 
like probability. Like I guess that's just board game design nowadays is that they put like actual probability and like the whole risk factor in the proper places and instead of just rolling dice and rolling dice and more importantly making sure that the actual like pacing of like the action and flow keeps constantly happening and it doesn't result in like you playing battleship and just sitting across the board and stare at each other for hours while we chunk dice at each other i guess there's a lot a lot of other stuff that goes along with it such as just cutting down language making things more concise but I guess the whole like streamlined experience where there's not a lot of unnecessary rules um cutting down on like dice rolling and I think that's pretty much it for like modern war games. I mean anything I'm missing there? It seems about right. I would definitely say a tighter writing, but you could also just call it an economy of words is also good. Um you do need to be just there's a fine balance between having it descriptive enough that you can cover most interpretations, most rules interactions, but not too much that it becomes, well, I've got an entire two pages of this rule book dedicated to walking forward. You know, well, like you should, like that should be your rules writing, on, like say movement should be concise enough that you get the concept. Put your measuring device of choice. You move that much. These things can or cannot affect it, and that's it. Yeah. I mean, but that's... I mean, that's just fantasy flight writing their rules in general, because they always... I mean, that's the reason why, I guess, going back to the example to use, why so many people keep playing the introductory mission, because it's such... A compartmental they do it for almost all of their games now there's such oh, yeah. a compartmentalized version of here's the basic rules and you don't ever have to make it more complicated if you don't want to including like tutorial missions and all the other stuff so i mean there's that and they do i mean it's the same thing with Soretsu master if you just read the card yeah it gets, tells you pretty much exactly how to use an ability that seems a little bit complicated but if you want to know all the intricacies of how it interacts with every step, and it's a lot. You're gonna have to actually go online and read the full rule book. Yeah, I, I think that shows uh, us something that modern, also modern war games have borrowed from, as several modern war games have borrowed just the step by step process and clear wording. Which like, clear wording would also be another one, I guess. I guess you could say that in an economy of words, but being very precise. Words mean what they mean, which is partly my problem with some of the Legion rules and some inconsistency between how some things are done in one end, but not this one, blah, 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 blah. But just barring like the clear cut step by step nature of Magic the Gathering. Uh, I think Star Wars Legion shows a lot of that and just like, OK, here's how these steps resolve. Here's where these things take place. You. There's a good chance you could not even see that, like you're saying. I said, you said, hey. People, yeah, some no, people like... just, yeah, they just play the introduction rulebook because you don't need to know those steps. I mean, yeah. you might come up, but you don't really, right? But if you're like, okay, wait a minute. Well, when does Guardian happen? Oh, okay. When do I apply, when do I convert my surges, but then you convert your surges, but then you Guardian, but then you dodge, but then you, you know... 
It's yeah, like, well, yeah, ten... it's mostly, it's just, it covers all the intricacy that happens between him using Soretsu Master in combination with Guardian. It's, yeah. Well, like I said, it's, like, it's clear wording, and it's like, most players, you might not even know any of that. Like, most of the time, I, I will read that, and I will understand it, but I'm not going to sit there, and I'm not going to break it down, like, every game. I'm only going to do it when we get some funky rules interaction, because a good modern rule design means I shouldn't have to look that up or even necessarily memorize it if I want to do a thing. It just needs to be there, and all the wording very clear, so I know when it happens, how it happens. It just needs to be there for that interaction. And and this goes like a little bit with 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 rules writers, especially with the designers. Because generally speaking, at least from what I've seen of the process, some of the designers don't even write their own rule books because they don't know how to actually translate their intent to a clear cut message that everybody can understand themselves. Yeah, G W. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, you, you're you're on the right track. Yeah, it's G W. You go there because I have a lot of. There was a, especially when we went into like eighth edition, there was a lot of inconsistent language, in trying to figure out, especially when it was like armor penetration, like what's the difference between things being reduced or being like set or ignored? Because there were some things that would say, whenever you were attacked with a weapon of AP value one or two, you can just choose to ignore that value and treat it as though it was zero. And then there were some that would say, whenever you're attacked with an AP 1 or 2 weapon, set its AP value as 2-0. What the fuck? <laughs> what? Like, they both effectively do the same thing, but they have drastically different wording, and some things literally specifically say... AP value weapons that you use can't have their value reduced or or changed or anything like that. So it, when it says reduce and then it says set, how does that work? Because it's yeah, like it, it's those little things like that. Exactly. It's like what what's the difference if you don't have it clearly defined? Because those are words, people. The English language exists. Plus, you know, literally every other language this stuff is translated into. What is there a difference in your writing between set, reduce, base, etc., 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 treat as, etc., etc., etc.? And when you have all of those words at somehow at the same time, somehow, because they will find a freaking way to do it, it's like, well, what's the final result? Especially when you don't have. Like a magic style system where it's like, okay, here's the steps, here's how you apply them. When you don't define those things, it becomes a mess to, to deal with. And I don't mean don't, like, like we keep rag on GW. Sorry, we're going to rag on GW. They're bad. I'm sorry. It's nothing on you players. I get it. Like, I used to play the games too. Like, it, we cool, man. We're cool. But if, just to show I'm not ragging on them, guess what? I have to say GW again, but in a different context. Look at Warlord Games. I like their games. I think they took the base formula that 40k has had forever and fantasy has had forever, and they've done some good things to try to modernize it. But they have the same damn issue 
where they don't really know how to format anything, which is ugh, another sin when it comes to writing rules. And they have the same wishy-washy thing where you can have a different writer per faction book, per rule book, per errata, per just random anything, like developer comp talk, conference, diary, article, whatever, dumb shit, app, whatever, and there's no consistency. And you get weird shit like, well, okay, well, this says I can't have oh this tank that's this armor value what happens if i have a tank that treats its armor value as that number but only if i take this upgrade how does that work when i buy the thing does it armor value count as the original value or does it count as the upgrade value therefore making it illegal you know that that kind of problem and they're really bad at it and of course they're former gw people and it shows well it's just that uh, it's because I, I mean, I've read a lot of War Alert stuff, and they write completely with the rule of intent, not using commonplace game terminology. And that's the one thing that, like, Magic, especially after hearing a lot of, like, reviews and stuff, like, their templating and terminology, like, has to be down pat when you're, like, trying to design those cards, because they are very particular about how things are said, and that's how rules should be, not just simply based on the intent of the designer. Because one thing I really did not like about the rules of Bolt Action was how there was no clear definition, like a, a clear in-game terminology for rolling to wound which is something that they did in 40k, which is an actual terminology, which is a wound world. It's not very innovative, and there's a lot <laughs> to be said about other stuff, but they don't even have anything that actually clearly defines a wound roll in there, despite the fact that's clearly what it is. And they keep kind of switching it up, but it's always like to roll to do something or something like that. It's just create a term for it instead of saying a a sentence every single time you want to do the specific sequence of events. Okay? Just figure out something. Yeah, that like I said, they are they are very guilty of that, which is really annoying because you can tell from their time as former people who worked on fantasy and 40k, you can tell they took some they took some stuff from that. They're like, okay, here's the problems with this system. We need to work on it. But yeah, it's Frankly, the majority of the time when it comes to war games companies, and it's not to belittle or try to reduce the work that goes into this stuff, uh, writing scenarios alone in a system I didn't have to create and actually make it fair, balanced, and fun is freaking hard, even if you know a system really well. And generally from what scenarios I've done custom, people generally say I did a great job. They're like, oh, this is better than the published thing. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I spent a lot of time on it. So it's, you know, I get that it takes a lot of time and effort and yada, 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 and that's fine. But you are making a product that you are selling to people, and presumably the idea here is for them to have fun and enjoy it. And if everybody has to scratch their head, get into an argument, and, in general, not actually be happy with the end result or conclusion, then I'm sorry, but you failed at game design. I mean, yeah, it it is pretty much a form of 
communication is just being able to properly communicate what it is you're trying to, I guess, get them to play. I mean, that's rule writing, but eh, that, yeah, that's, I guess that's a different thing. Kind of. I think they're both very similar. It's, like I said, just, just a lot of frustration. I agree that they are very, very guilty uh, going to uh, Warlord. They are very guilty of the intent. Because, like I said, you do get things where it's like, hey, clearly these dudes can't move through this vehicle, right? Like, I mean, just clearly, duh, these dudes cannot move through a vehicle. That makes sense, right? Where does it say that on the rules? Yeah. And, and people can be like, oh, rules, lawyers, rules, lawyers. Da, 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 da. I, I don't know if that's even a thing anymore. I haven't heard, frankly, and weirdly enough, I have not actually heard that term used super negatively in like the last 10 years. Because I think for the most part, outside of your smelly guy who uses the rules for your advantages down at the club and is freaking annoying, for the most part, I f would like to think that a lot of gamers, especially in the tabletop game scene, have realized that clear and concise rules is one of the biggest steps to having a fun and interesting game. But, yeah, and that's one, I guess, one problem you would have to see, which is that when your rules have to be interpreted in multiple ways is when you really have a problem. Yeah. You know? And that, I mean, that's even, like, right now with even a couple of, like, like, even, and that's the problem with GW, is that there's always a way to misinterpret the rules sometimes because of just them not keeping consistent language and constantly trying to change it. And it, it, it was the same thing with, like, Craftworld and trying to interpret whether or not they can, when they can and can't use Fire and Fade. Because exactly what qualifies during movement phase and all this other stuff, it's just them constantly changing what this language is supposed to mean. Yeah, I think they've... I will say, again, not to rag on them super hard, but we're going to do it anyway, because screw those guys. I think for the most part, I have slowly, very slowly, there has been improvements in formatting, in wording, etc. over time. It's just very slow, and despite the recent attempts to modernize, it hasn't been that, honestly just hasn't been, a t just haven't done a lot of it. Like, all the praise I've heard for, like, the last Kill Team, uh, Unfortunately, now the new edition, I've heard a lot of gripes about it, so I don't know how much true that is. I only briefly read over the first uh, new iteration of Kill Team, not the current edition that literally just came out, or is coming out, one of the two. Um, but yeah, I mean, they've taken the steps. They Somebody freaking understands. I just don't... Yeah, I don't know, man. Well, it's just... It's, the problem is, is that they don't have this particular problem with AOS. And that's because I'm not sure what it is, but like even like the way that they simplify wounds and how to hit and all this other stuff is from AOS as well. The only like real, real issue that I hear people are saying with AOS is that it's effectively boring because it just becomes a mosh pit of just melee. And I Nobody wants to just sit there and roll dice while they sit and have their models just clumped together. 
Yeah, I was going to say that was always the problem I heard when it first came out, besides the, like, seven pages of rules and whoever has the biggest mustache and make horse noises, dumb, free rules shit they came up with. The biggest complaint I heard was that you have no effective way to disengage or clear, well, for the most part, clear dudes out of melee with each other. So once you kind of, like, sell into how the fight's going to go and you meet up with your opponent... Well, you're now just going to sit there and roll dice back and forth. And this is going to continue until, you know, one side's gone. And then congratulations, you freed one of your 12 units. They are now going to immediately dogpile into somebody on the sides and repeat. Yeah. And it just becomes a big old mess. There's there's no maneuvering at the initial maneuvering. Which, to be fair, some people have complained about War Machine Hordes, but... By its interaction and how freaking lethal the game is, that's very rare that you just get two lines stuck together forever. Like, it happens, but we're talking like a turn or two at best. You know, at worst. You know? So. Yeah. I mean, from the games we played, I mean, but then again, we haven't thrown, like, gnats against each other. But even then, well, mostly because... We would never do that. I was going to say I did. You know what happened? All those Krell Weirs got sprayed to death by the Desert Hydra. <laughs> and it was like, oh, these guys suck. Yeah, well, I meant, like, we never threw, like, like gnats against gnats. Like, I'm pretty sure if we actually just sit there and try to bury each other in, like, 30-plus models each, I'm pretty sure maybe it would have took a long time. But it's like, who... That's just unfortunate that both of you tried to do the same thing. Yeah. It's not a. It's not an issue with the. Well, you could say it's an issue with the design, but it's more of just an issue with uh, the structure of like list building and army composition, which, frankly, most miniature games I've played. And goddamn, if I haven't played most of them, that's always been an issue. I. It's very hard to get out of the rock paper scissors situation. Well, I think in that scenario that it's not really that whole like one list immediately beats another thing. It's more, yeah, I guess it is because then it's just if you both throw rocks and that happens and you just kind of sit there and yeah. do nothing. But I think it's only with that particular sort of list. And I think overall that doesn't indicate a huge narrow like bad design on the game. I just yeah, it's... I think it's I think it's okay for yeah. that. It's more of an issue just, like I said, in general. If you see it in a lot of games, not just tabletop war games. And generally, it's just a problem when if you certain types of lists, if they get together, is just just a grind fest. Like, eh, it just happens. I mean, it's the same thing in Magic. I mean, there's hate cards. They get shut out, too. Oh, no. Are... We're both playing blue. I wonder how this game's going to go. I mean, if you're the single graveyard deck there, you're probably going to do great. But I mean, it, I mean, some things it's all about like knowing like sometimes local metas and stores. Like if everybody's doing like graveyard of that store, then you know somebody's eventually going to walk in there with their stupid like rest in peace and like ground seal and every single <laughs> fucking graveyard hate guard they can shove in there. But okay. Card games in a month. Gotcha, gotcha. Next topic, write this down. God games. damn it. <laughs> <laughs> I guess. Well, I mean, but I mean, that just goes into like a lot of like sort of philosophies because then we're going into like different design philosophies that are more along the lines of don't really show up in war games a lot because they don't value high symmetrical armies as much as like on like say skirmish based war games. Yeah. Yeah. 
And I think Malifaux is pretty much the largest, like, asymmetrical game that, like, gets all the way up to, like, video game level of asymmetrical characters. Yeah, probably. I mean, as far as, like, the kind of skirmish size stuff goes, it's really... Thinking about what people really play aggressively, Malifaux, X-Wing, I still think's doing okay, though they've been in a product drought for a bit now, and it's not doing super crazy. Um, I don't really have Frostgrave or any of those like skirmish games or kind of RP-ish skirmish games are going. They're they're cool, but eh, yeah, I think actually, still very small. Yeah, me and Greg, he said that he wanted to do like Stargrave or something. I was like, okay, oh yeah, sure. yeah, there's the sci-fi one, yeah, yeah. So he wants to do that Wednesday, and I guess apparently I'm doing that. Okay. Huh. Yeah. So I mean, I'm going to try that out and see how that works. I mean, I haven't finished reading through the entirety of the mm. rule book, but it seems pretty, pretty like basic so far. Nothing really to write home about. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's another little game that you can use any miniature for. So. Yeah, miniature agnostic is uh, perfectly fine as far as a the game. There's, I think people are finding out that's like perfectly acceptable for a uh, miniature game. Uh, Going to those Mongoose, but not Mongoose Publishing, they've been dead a while. Actually, they're still around, maybe, I don't remember. Uh, Osprey? Osprey. Going to those Osprey games that they, like, put out, generally the only problem I've ever heard from them is that the campaign progression's a little whack, and I'm pretty sure Frostgrave has, like, a second edition that might have fixed that, but I'm not 100% sure. I haven't kept up since first edition. Yeah. I mean, that's probably something I should look more into is like those sort of like agnostic games like that but yeah i i guess when it just comes down to it like that's another like weird thing because the way gw like the major major issue there's a whole whole thing like if we want to get into like the whole gw that's why it's like it needs to be a whole separate thing (laughs) we barely touched the service on this even their like whole like balance of like because it all comes down to asymmetrical to try to make everybody play style like work and do all this other stuff it's just that they're terrible at balancing everything too and when you look at the ways that like a lot of online games balance things like MOBAs does how how they do all this competitive gaming and it's just very weird to see these sort of like game companies these war game companies not follow the same sort of like gaming design philosophies to make their games work despite the fact that they have so many similarities and I just look at how like Malifaux designed and they try to make their game as balanced as possible but i think that's because they realize more and more exactly how much their game is just basically like a video game yeah well i agree with you on that the that's something that people will complain about and don't even get started somebody with an argument about fourth edition D and video gaming it up the thing is, a lot of those grognards don't realize, and I'm definitely grognards, and two, I would count myself as that, is I will play an Asia Sale game. I will play a gritty 50 frickin' charts, account for the fact that, you know, you haven't emptied the waste bin, the a waste 
whatever on your ship to affect your weight to in, against the wind or some stuff. I will play those games. I like those games. They don't get that one that takes going back to all the way back. It, it's a it's a cycle just like GW, just like pottery. It rhymes. It's you go back to it, and it's that it takes more commitment to do those things. It doesn't make it less or more fun or worthy. All it, it does one thing, and that makes it just harder to get into. And, you know, you can argue where it's better, what it's worse, whatever. I'm not gonna... I won't get into that. I like complex games. I like simple games. I don't care. I, like I said, it has to meet all three criteria for me in at least some regard, and I will generally play your game. But... Those games, like I said, this, they're hard to get into, and they take a lot of commitment, and that's not, especially once you get older, which is the part some of these people don't get, is they're like, oh, I, I can only, I used to be able to play this game like two or th three times a week, and always was at the shop and whatever, and now I can manage like once a month. Yeah, it's called getting old. When you were a kid, and you had that weird level of patience we all had as a kid, because it was a game and it was fun and it was interesting and you had all this free time, you could do that. And that's part of the barrier of entry that goes into barrier of entry again. You can't, you just can't freaking do that once you get past a certain point. And it's perfectly fine, like, if you love that game to, you know, okay, I can only meet once a month, but at this point, you know, you know the rules. Like, if I can only meet once a month for Battletech, I don't have to freaking remember the rules for the most part. I might have to look up this one thing or this other thing, whatever. But I know the rules. I just go, I play, that's my week, and I'm going to have a lot of fun, which I'm going to do tomorrow. But if you're trying to get into this game, that's hard to freaking do, unless you have all that free time. So anybody who's going into these games, whether an adult or kid that doesn't have that free time, they're not going to be able to do it. Why would they? Why would they? I mean, and the other thing to go into there is like even even those like spreadsheet games, even basically, I mean, that's essentially all of what Civilization is. A Civilization <laughs> is purely a video game franchise. And if you just put that to like pen and paper, I'm pretty sure nobody would even play that game then because one of the things about rules and tabletop is that you don't have an arbitrary enforcer making you do even making you yourself follow the rules. Like, especially with super complicated games, you can unknowingly just break the rules yourself. And you can and, do it just by a misinterpretation of the rules because you don't have that enforcer to automatically say, no, you can't do that. Yeah, so, I mean, it's understandable why more people play video games than this sort of stuff. So, eh. Yeah, no, it's understandable. It is it is a hobby, regardless if you actually like the actual hobby part, which is assembling, painting, crafting, all this stuff. It's a hobby, regardless, because it does take time. It takes money. And really... Well, I would say a good design, good hallmark of a design is requiring the least amount that possible 
while still being a fun and engaging game. Whatever that happens to mean to you. Uh, yeah, that's that's true. And uh, I don't yeah. I mean, but saying that, you can pretty much as you say, do anything you want with the models once you get them. You don't have to follow GW's rules or anybody else's rules. Yeah, no. Really. Just... But, I mean, but they took the time and effort to make them and you think that and charge you $40 for 30 fucking pages. So you think they would take the time and effort to make sure that they don't have to write it at the first goddamn week that it comes out. Well, you, know you do know what they used to say, right? Like, like as far as I'm aware, official GW, I don't know if that was just game rumor or what, but I'm pretty sure it was an official thing they said. Is they said, we are a miniature company, not a game company. We make miniatures. Yeah, I'm pretty sure they did say that. Yep. Okay, well, we'll start thinking about that GW episode soon. Mm -hmm. because I'll crank up the salt. Let me get the... I'm, you need to open a goddamn salt mine, okay? I get am. the deed ready to sign. I go to the salt mine every night in Warzone. What are you talking about? Oh, God. Okay. <laughs> well, you got, you got anything to plug, Tristan? I am going to plug the fact that I am going to be busy with a lot of school stuff coming out last year and all that other stuff. Wow. A real, real adult. Uh, I'm sorry. Oh, that, that wasn't like that wasn't like sarcastic or anything. I was actually kind of just slightly depressed. Yeah, I know. That's 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 what the whole like thing right there. Oh no, we're adults. That's anyway. Uh... I'm PSO. You can find me on the Discord. PSO, just freaking at me. I'm sure I will not ban you. Um, we've got Discord. We got Twitch. I need to stream stuff. I'm lazy. We got YouTube, where this will be up on, and you can find the link if you didn't get this from YouTube. We are on Spotify, Apple iTunes, frickin' other thing, Google Play, Credit, Store, Fortnite, something, Dance. We Fortnite. are. I don't frickin' know. Is that what they got on Google Store? I'm old. Uh, yeah. We got we got frickin' iHeartRadio. We got Last FM. We got whatever. I, look, I spent freaking money to advertise this stuff to you, and you're going to hear us ramble, and you're going to hear me ramble, and you're going to like it. I hope it doesn't include more Fortnite. Uh, tune in next two weeks when we do an episode on... Oh. <laughs> <laughs>